Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your host today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, our topic will be on the seven mountains of influence, and the mountain we will discuss is government. And our scripture for today is from 1 Corinthians 1 26 through 29. Look carefully at your call, brothers and sisters. By human standards, not many of you are deemed to be wise, not many are considered powerful. Not many of you come from royalty, right? But celebrate this. God selected the world's foolish to bring shame upon those who think they are wise. Likewise, he selected the world's weak to bring disgrace upon those who think they are strong. God selected the common and the cast off, whatever lacks status, so he could invalidate the claims of those who think those things are significant. So it makes no sense for any person to boast in God's presence. Amen. That's a good one. Yes. All right. So we're going to continue our series today on the seven mountains of influence that we started last week. And today we'll be discussing, just like Susan said, the mountain of government. And also, before we get started, I want to reference the books that we'll be getting some of this information from. The first one is from Johnny Enloe's The Seven Mountain Prophecy, Unveiling the Elijah Revolution. And the other one is Johnny and Elizabeth Enloe's, that's his wife. And that the name of that book is Rise, a Reformer's Handbook for the Seven, Seven Mountains. You know, they have some really good information on what we're talking about. Right. And just to quickly review the Seven Mountains again, they are media, family, arts and entertainment, economy, religion, education, and government. And the Mountain of Government, also known as politics, is a mountain that we have given over to Satan and his demons, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And just as we did with media, we have done the same thing with government. Plain and simple, our government and most, if not all, other governments around the world are corrupt. And Johnny Enlow says, because of the enemy's firm grip on this mountain, it's a very dangerous mountain to take if one is not spiritually prepared for it. Yet, we must take it. We can't be scared of it, right? Right. So the, the Elijah Revolution, which is being prepared now, will begin to displace the forces of darkness from this mountain and establish righteous government on its top. And this is all part of the awakening that has been going on for several years. Many people have awakened to the lies the enemy has been portraying at the top of each mountain of influence. And God is getting ready to expose the enemy and all that he has done to harm his children. And government, this is a big one. This is Mm -hmm. a big mountain, right? right? So the Lord is positioning his children to invade and disciple this mountain. God meant for his love to be displayed as power for this mountain. His love and power were meant to be seen through a good government. This power should be incorrupt authority that exists for the purpose of serving and protecting people's freedoms, which allows citizens to live in a safe environment and have the freedom to discover for themselves who they can be and who God is. This kind of government allows its citizens to believe they can be successful and thrive, not just survive. Is that what we're experiencing right now? Mm, No. 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 (laughs) It is obvious that our government does not want us to thrive. But God, you know, he's going to change all that with the help of his ecclesia. That's right. Yep. So let's dive right into all that government is. Susan, you want to get us started? Yes. So what is government? It's a good question. (laughs) What is government? Merriam-Webster defines it as the organization, machinery, or agency through which a political unit exercises through authority and performs functions, and which is usually classified according to the distribution of power within it. 
Right. Or the complex of political institutions, laws, and customs through which the function of governing is carried out. Right. Many times, as exemplified in the Old Testament, a nation's moral standards are dependent on those exhibited by its leaders or predominant political party. And each one of us is responsible for our own sins. However, people are greatly influenced by those morals or lack of that popular leaders adopt. Right. And with those good leaders like that, you know, when you have a corrupt leader and they're really charismatic and that people are drawn to them, what does that do for the people that are followers? We want to follow our government, right? We want to do what the, our leaders are asking us to do. But right. when you have a corrupt person, it just leads, charge, it yeah. leads us all astray. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where we're at right now. Lost sheep. Yep. <clears throat> That's why it's really important to vote for, you know, who God puts on your heart to right. vote for. Not right. just who you feel will do the best job. you got to right. check in with God because there's things that he knows about every single person on this earth that we would we, mm-hmm. we don't know. Yeah, right. But God knows, right? right? Or get involved and be on committees, and yes. you know, right? Unfortunately, we have seen a steady increase in political corruption, as well as steady erosion of the link between our government and legal system and the Christian values upon which our country was founded. Johnny Enlow describes government as having many arenas. He explains that for our purposes, we are considering the political institutions that rule a land. They administrate civil righteousness and justice at multiple levels. Though it covers a lot of territory or is a widespread field, the top of the mountain is occupied by a relatively small handful of people. For example, in the United States, the president is the physical person at the top of the mountain, with senators and congressmen also high on the national mountain. And isn't that just so sad to know that those few people are controlling the narrative. Right. Right. Yeah. Of what, what we're doing, yeah. how the rest of the world is being influenced. You know, each government has their own set of power, right? But it's those few people at the top that are corrupt that are affecting every single citizen below. Below. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, it's a network of corrupt people, not right. just those that are top. They're all, they're all, they're all working together right. for an evil agenda. Right. Yeah. Right. Sad. It says in Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20, Appoint judges and officials for each of your times in every town the Lord your God is giving you, and they shall judge people fairly. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Follow justice and justice alone, so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Fortunately, you know, it's follow the money trail. Right, and so that's where our politics has been: is you just follow the money trail, and you'll right. know who's running the country. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's been proven over and over and over again, but it's just not talked about in right. the public. Right, got to do some digging to find that stuff. Mm-hmm. So these verses anticipated a great problem the Israelites would face when they arrived in the Promised Land. Although they had Joshua as their national leader, they failed to complete the task and choose other spiritual leaders who would lead the tribes, districts, and cities with justice and God's wisdom. Because they did not appoint wise judges and faithful administrators, rebellion and injustice plagued their communities. It's a serious responsibility to appoint or elect wise and just officials. It is. Just like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh It's very serious because when you appoint that person there, mm-hmm. they may be talking the talk out in the you know in public in public right mm-hmm. to, to groups of people, but their agen- they- agenda is the complete opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. my gosh, we've seen that in our current administration, right? Mm-hmm. It's just awful. 
In our sphere of influence, home, church, school, or job, we can help and be an Elijah revolutionary by ensuring that justice and godliness prevail. Failing to choose who upholds justice can lead to much trouble, as we have seen in our world and as Israel soon discovered. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember this reminds me of an experience um, when I was in high school. I was uh, president of student council, and I was in a study hall with my phys ed teacher. And uh, he would either help us with our homework if we right. needed. He was really good in math, or he would just talk to you know what's going on in your life, or right. you know. And it's uh, a good teacher. Yeah. So he asked me. He said, "So you just got elected president of you know student government. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do this year?" And I was like, "Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know." <laughs> You know, um, well, let me think about that. And, you know, so we would chat each study hall and he said, you know, that's already been done. What are you going to do that's new? What are you going to do for this school? He started making me feel the weight of the responsibility. And And to really think. think. And think think. what I really could help do. It's not just about getting elected. It's about doing something. Right. You're in a position of power. You want to use it to to help people, right, for God's glory. Yeah. And not to just do the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. It's not a popularity contest. It's yeah. right. an actual duty. That's, mm-hmm. that's what needs to happen. And Except these conversations that people have that are elected in these government governmental positions is God's, what are you going to do? God needs to be asking, what are you going to do that's going to be different? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. What can what needs to change? Right. Can, and and how are you going to allow make, me? Yeah, like how are you going to make you? your mark? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, that too. That's good. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about the levels of the mountain. And there are three levels of a mountain, the top, the middle, and the base, as we know. Mm -hmm. Johnny describes the top of the mountain as our objective. That's where Lucifer is entrenched in some capacity or another, and that's where the stronghold of corruption is. The top of the mountain can apply at a national level, a city level, or a regional level. The promise is that nations are to be taken by the sons and daughters of God. The top of the mountain is held by a visible face like the president and the spiritual influence that has him there. We must always discern between the natural faces and the ruling powers that influence them. If it is immoral, it is a spirit working in them. Mm -hmm. It is not the person himself or herself. So we can't judge the person. We can't become obsessed and just want to oust the person because a new person could simply succumb to that same spirit. Right. Exactly. Instead, the mountain must simultaneously be secured spiritually. Right. He gives an example of what has happened in the U.S. Supreme Court as Republican presidents have appointed apparent conservatives who then inexplicably begin to vote with the liberal bloc. That's yeah. called a rhino. <laughs> <laughs> Republican, Republican in name only. only. Mm-hmm. They are conditioned, but he has not yet displaced powers over Washington, D.C., Ruling powers always affect the thought life of those under their geographical sphere. Judges have a history of ruling one way in their home state, yet the spiritual climate of Washington, positioned under the influence of a larger demon, can cultivate another response from them. Hmm. Other levels of the mountain include lower political positions, anything from governors to judges to mayors. Yeah. We need to fill the entire mountain with God's kingdom mindset people. All three levels. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who know why they are there, which is to advance the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Some examples are to go after unjust laws as their arena of action. Others called could formulate foreign policy. A candidate, a congressman, senator, advisor, aide, 
lawmaker, speechwriter, even a cook. Mm-hmm. Right. In the White House. In yeah, the White House. Yeah. <laughs> right. A cleaner, intercessor, financier to support someone or push for budget reform, yeah. etc. Yeah. Like there's so many opportunities. Right. Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. The idea of these mountains is that we don't need a pioneer hero. God needs infrastructure on the mountain working under him. We need to be salt and light on every level. For example, the wisdom of mountain climbing is to rope yourself to someone else. Whether you're a cook, chef, bottom or top of mountain, at every level, you need to be sons and daughters of God. The mountain needs to be transformed so it reflects the government of heaven. And that's so important, you know. In in order to find out that, that transformation that reflects the government of heaven, how do you do that? You have intimacy with God, and mm-hmm. you get His guidance, and you get His instruction and His right. direction. Right, and His He'll send a whole army of angels to come and help you, and the Holy Spirit will be there to guide you and all that. You know, it's just so important that we start wrapping. That's a kingdom mindset. We have to start wrapping our heads around a kingdom mindset to understand that God has a better way. It's a much better, a much freer, a much more. It would help us to understand. You know, there's so many things that we don't understand about our government right now mm-hmm. because it's not being run correctly. Right, God mm-hmm. has God has a better plan, and if we just listen to Him and let it just flow all the way down, then things will be so different. Mm-hmm. You know, we just need to get to that kingdom mindset. Well, that's how you start make real about change, it. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. You got to have that intimacy mm-hmm. with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You can't have the light and keep it to yourself. Right. Exactly. Also, it's it's not about just getting people saved. It's about being people of service and integrity to reflect the governmental face of God. Right. Yeah. Those called to this mountain are to identify and deal with unrighteous institutions and unjust laws. This is our current structural mission. Those that don't go after that what basically represents God's heart. Johnny explained that there is both personal and structural mission. So what does the Bible say about government? In Proverbs 29.2, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Yeah. We're definitely groaning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all groaning. Yes. There's a lot of groaning yes, mm-hmm. on right now in their world. So this means there are some wicked people in leadership right now. Mm-hmm. Johnny makes the point that every form of government has been tried and all have failed dramatically. Right. Yes. There's no new government prototype to try, and the earth knows it. Right. Johnny goes on to say there are so few who are keeping their promises of righteousness and justice. Most politicians pledge to fight corruption, but few have been successful. Right. As Paul wrote to the Romans, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Instruction is always the same. Obey. Right. It's important. Mm-hmm. And in 1 Peter two thirteen through 14 Peter wrote, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Many times the government will get off track and stray from its purpose and become oppressive. Right. In the Old Testament, Daniel is a model we should use when it comes to our relationship with government. The Babylonians were given authority over Jews because of the Jews' disobedience. Daniel worked himself into the highest levels of this pagan and unbelieving government. Although the rulers respected Daniel's God— their lives and actions show they did not believe. Yeah. Daniel served the king as a true servant when he requested the wise men not be executed for failing to interpret the king's dream. Instead, he asked for the key to interpret the dream from God and save those, including himself, 
who would have been executed. While Daniel was in royal court, his three friends refused to bow to the idol erected by King Nebuchadnezzar. You want to help me? (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar. And were sentenced to death in the furnace. Their response was confident faith, adding that even if he didn't, they still would not worship or serve Nebuchadnezzar's gods. And that was uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and and Abednego. That was actually their Babylonian names. Right. They had Hebrew names. Their real names were like Hananiah, uh, Michelle, and Azariah or something like that. Yeah, that was, yeah. But that became their Babylonian names when they became captives right. to King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, you <laughs> said it correctly. Right. After the Medes conquered Babylon, Daniel continued to serve faithfully and to rise to power within the government. Here, Daniel faced the same dilemma when the governors and satraps tricked the king into signing a decree that whoever petition any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Daniel responded by directly and in full view of everyone disobeying the order. Bold as a lion. Yes. Love it. Now, when Daniel knew that the law had been signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his god, as was his custom since early days. Yeah. Daniel was completely loyal to any ruler placed over him until that ruler ordered him to disobey God. Right. And at that moment when a choice had to be made between the world and God, Daniel chose God. Like right. we should all do. Right. Absolutely. Right. Johnny describes our Jesus as never giving the planet to Satan. He's coming to earth with heaven's government on his back, and of the increase of his government there will be no end. Yes. Right. Wait. The takeover of the affairs of Earth is somehow tied into bringing order into the entire universe. We are meant to finally wake up from our slumber and learn our inheritance and become instruments that crush Satan here and now. Right. He says this awakening will be so profound in his church that even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right. So Jesus will have a generation that will take all the land assigned to it and push Satan out of the second mountain at the tops of the mountains, all the way back to hell where he belongs. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what is spiritual authority? Spiritual authority comes from one standing before God and refers to influence in heavenly places. It could be considered one's position of influence among believers. It governs the church and the spiritual realm. Yes, it does. And one's role as a spiritual authority is to lead by example and not by constraint. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So in Peter, 1 Peter 5, 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is among you, watching over them, not out of compulsion, but because it's God's will, not out of greed, but out of eagerness. It is a grace-based position of leadership and trust. That position never requires force of intimidation, except when it opposes spiritual forces of iniquity. And in Isaiah 9, 7, it says, his government on earth will be increasing. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. To order and establish it with judgment and justice, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is how his government will come in, in an ever-creasing fashion rather than as one one one-day explosion, Mm -hmm. as his children awake, arise, and shine on this mountain. Yes. Right? His government never stops increasing. This was a prophecy all the way from Isaiah. Depending on our eschatology, do we want to be the people who crawl in their caves in the recesses of society? No. That's not where this thing goes. Of the increase of his government, there is no end. 
And he says, I want to manifest my government through you, sons and daughters. With love and power, the correct kind of power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, anyone can be called to multiple mountains. And the higher you go up, the more you interact with other mountains. We are here to be the light. Our biggest mission is to show up because when light shows, darkness dispels. That's right. That's so good. You know, and you talked about spiritual authority. I want to talk about civil authority. You know, it's it's also a God-given authority, right? Right. But as a civil ruler is entrusted with an entirely different type of authority. Right. A central purpose of a civil ruler, you know, their call is to deal with lawlessness. Yes. You know, like police and, and things like that. So striking terror into the hearts of evildoers fulfills a specific assignment for which, you know, we will be accountable to God. Just as Romans 13, 4 says, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those, you know, who do what is wrong. Right. And those in position of a a civil authority must be prepared to fulfill the God-given demands of this role. Those who cannot do that must remain in in the spiritual arena of authority, like Susan was talking about. Yes. Like, this is an important distinction. No one wants a civil leader who is not willing to forcefully resist those who would would harm or even invade the country. Right. Right? That doesn't make any sense. You want the army coming after them. Right. Yes. (laughs) Right? Taking them down. Right. So confronting evil and delivering practical justice is a central call, you know, of those in civil positions of authority. Right. Right. And Johnny said in his book that there will be Joseph-type presidents of nations who will carry great spiritual authority and great civil authority, right? like both, at various times, these presidents will need to step back and forth between those roles and address the concerns of each. Right. So true apostles will also play a unique role, you know, in the taking of the mountain of government. Johnny points out the difference between those who call themselves apostles and those who are truly called and appointed by God to fulfill that role and position. Those who promote themselves who are already in some, you know, self-imposed higher position of authority will be disqualified to take on this role. And they need to be. Right. Right. If they're not operating with the influence of God, then they need to be disqualified. Right. right. Or they don't have that humility. Right. Right. And the like the ones that God will use in this position are those that don't mind being overlooked and taking on a lower profile, you know, very humble right. in their heart, and one who walks with God in His grace and will be a true marker of an apostle used for that, you know, that type of position. Right. Some of those people that God's talking about here probably don't even want that recognition. Right. 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 He, he's called them to it, but they don't need the recognition because they know who they are in Christ. Right. They know who they are in God, right? Right. And, and it's that humble heart that's going to be what changes everything in our government, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's not just one person. It's going to have to be the whole government entity, yeah. right? right. God's, God's raising those that group of people up right now. He's mm-hmm. training them. Yep. Because Getting these them people ready. are going to be replaced with these people that are probably not going to want to be at the forefront of that, but they have a they have a calling and they're going to be good at it because God's been, you know, teaching them. Right. right? right. Tra- training them up. All right. And like Johnny said, you know, an apostle is called and appointed to take you know, the tops of, of all the mountains. Right. But the anointing is, isn't based on their charisma or their money-making skills, their networking, right. their personality type, their speaking skills, or, you know, any other natural ability. Instead, it's going to be an authority with heaven based on a specific call, like one who walks in obedience and intimacy with God. Yes. 
right? Yes. So just take a look at the original 12 disciples and know that it wasn't their natural qualities that made them fit for the role of being apostles. Right. Like our opening scripture said, not many that are noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the shame put to put I can't say it, <laughs> to put to shame those who think they are wise. You know, he chooses the world's weak to bring disgrace upon those who think they are strong. Right. Right. Mm. So I like how Johnny said, he said, the Lord often hides his greater power and glory in unappealing wrapping paper. That's good. I thought that was really good. He said, Jesus was the perfect example of this dynamic. Jesus wasn't born from the household of Caesar or Herod or a centurion, but he was born to a young virgin who was birthed in a manger or birthed Jesus in a manger. Right. Only the wise men discovered him. And Johnny points out that it still takes wise men to discover the greater gifts of God today. Yes, it does. Yes. Good point. It's real good. He also said that apostles are some of the greater gifts God gives us, you know, often hidden, but anointed with prayer. And they may be unknown to men here on earth, but in heaven, they are well known because of their cloak of humility. Mm -hmm. I really like what he said. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, he also said in Hebrews 3, 1, therefore, holy... Brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. So everywhere Jesus went, he carried apostolic phenomena. Yep. He confronted the top of the mountain in the spirit realm, so all of hell and heaven broke loose wherever he went. Mm-hmm. You know, when he went into a city, mm-hmm. the entire city would be confronted and shaken in some way. Both human and demonic leaders were intimidated. All powers felt the displacement caused by the anointing upon his life. The atmosphere would change. You know, storms would brew up because he showed his authority over every kind of sickness and disease and demon. None of his influence was the product of well-oiled public relations machinery, you know, and television or books or a large church or any natural element that we've always seen, you know, in our world today. Right. It was all spiritual empowerment. Yep, that's right. So the apostle gift is specifically a government gift, yes. whether inside or outside of the church. Right. This does not mean that, you know, we need the title of apostle, but only the actual anointing of an apostle. Right. So that's, Johnny's can Yeah, right? That's good. Put that badge away. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quit carrying around your sign saying, "I'm an apostle." <laughs> right. <laughs> Johnny said he's convinced that modern-day apostles will function better with the other titles than apostles. Exactly, yeah. Keep it quiet. <laughs> Too many so-called apostles today love their title and their position, and he points out that the love of their title is perhaps the first evidence of not being one. Mm-hmm. The natural instinct of anyone you know, who knows the responsibility associated with the call would be to run the opposite direction, actually. <laughs> they really don't want it. You know? Exactly, that's what I was talking about earlier, yeah. The apostolic positioning will increase more and more among the nations of the world as the mountain of the Lord's house is exalted above all others. The goal is is not to have Christians in high places, but rather have Christians who are called to be in high places and step into that role. Right. And wearing a Christian label on our sleeve isn't the point. Right. We need to realize that stealth authority and influence are much preferred over overt authority and influence. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, as the Elijah revolution is released upon the nations, sons and daughters of the king who understand the call to take on the seven mountains will rise to the mountaintops. You know, they will understand kingdom issues. They'll need to have an understanding of God's redemptive plan for Israel in the last days. 
and have an understanding that if you touch Israel, you touch the apple of God's eye. That's right. Don't mess with Israel. That's right. Right. And so entire nations will severely be judged or highly blessed and favored based on that issue alone. So governing cannot be done by the flesh anymore, as the issues will be increasingly highly charged spiritual matters that God will directly address, often through devastating judgments. So the key to taking the top of this mountain is to do it from one's position as a son or daughter of God's kingdom. Right. You know, this is a spiritual ministry, and we must approach this mountain as those who are citizens in heaven, right? right. Mm Yeah. So in the latter days, the Lord will use citizens of heaven who live on earth to exalt his mountain above all other mountains. This citizenship transcends our natural citizenship. So we must be sold out to our king and consumed by the deep love from him and bring the things from, of heaven to earth. Right. So strategies of the flesh are possibly the greatest snare that we're going to be facing in taking those mountains of our nations. Right. Almost every move of God is preceded by a false start through human, you know, originated tactics. Yep. So a fleshly strategy comes out of locking onto a revelation or promise of God and attempting to pull it off with a worldly approach. It's usually highly logical and appeals to the natural man, but it carries no accompanying power of God and will, in fact, finally war against that which is coming in the Spirit. Yeah. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 16, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. That's right. And no mm-hmm. one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Paul's very wordy. (laughs) But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For those Only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. That's right. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So it's really important that you seek out the Lord's strategies and not ones that come from our human reasoning. That's good. Mm -hmm. So how do you judge the source of a strategy? No, this often requires years of hearing and obeying God to learn to discern the difference between what is of the flesh and what came from the Spirit. So in order to receive God's strategy, Johnny says that you have to start from a foundation of emptiness before the Lord, and this must be followed by a period of inquiring of the Lord, and there are no time limits on that period. You know, God could respond immediately or delay. A delay means that God must first strip you of all confidence in the flesh that could potentially trip you up. You know, I want to say right there, because that's what I was talking about earlier, when, when we have to when we have to humble ourselves, and, and God's preparing a lot of those people right now. These people that are going to be running, running or doing, I guess, in charge doing of Doing God's work on right, the top of the mountain. Right. They're going to be the ones that are refined in the fire. And refined in the fire means that whenever you're tempted by the enemy, 
they've been through that and they know how to reject it and they know how to discern it and they know how to say no to it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and going for the re- through the refiner's fire is, is going through trials and difficulties that taught you something so well that it's cemented inside of you right. to, to know how to respond. Right. It burns right. off the impurities. Right. That's, that's the yeah. other thing. Right. It burns off all those impurities. Mm-hmm. Our, the thoughts, our actions, you mm-hmm. know, the words that we speak, everything. The flesh. And, right. And then we are only operating with, with God's instruction. Right. Right. Those are the people. And, and guys, that's something we should be looking forward to because God's got a whole army of people mm-hmm. ready to be positioned in governmental positions that, that have the, a heart for God. And have wisdom. And his Godly government. wisdom to know how to do the right, right. things. Right. Because that's how we're going to live in freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and be able to to trust and when, when I'm, I never in my lifetime have I been able to say that I fully trust my government. You no. know, I don't know if that's for every, all other countries. I've never felt that way. I've never been able to feel like I can fully trust mm-hmm. what they're saying is correct or what they're doing is good. I always listen with discernment. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. There may be certain things that I'm like, hey, that sounds like they're doing a great thing. But then the other things, and that, again, that's God's discernment in me saying, hey, there's things that are not right. Mm-hmm. They're telling you one thing, but they're doing completely the opposite. Right. But then you don't see it, but I do. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just so comforting to know that that's where we're at right now, that God has been, he's been preparing these people in the trenches. Like they have been going through the fire. They've been going through all, mm-hmm. and, and they're, when God says go, it's all going to be, it's all going to change. You right. know, that's where we're headed. Right. When we take, right. this, when we take this mountain that we, we got to take that principality down first though. Right. Right. Yeah. It's good. You know, he points out that a God given strategy will always carry some element of the impossible in it. So if your strategy is entirely possible, it's probably not God's strategy. Right. Yet could simply do that without him. Right. Right. So God's strategy will, will always require the activation of faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. It's always impossible to access the supernatural realm without faith. Faith is essential for taking this mountain of government and every other mountain. That's right. Yes. For anything. Yep. So a strategy that God has already revealed for everything in life is that we must begin and finish in prayer as we've all talked about many times. Yep. We must constantly acknowledge, I'm really powerless, too weak to pull this off. That's really a humble attitude before the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even Jesus could not advance without his you know, continuous prayer. He constantly pulled aside for prayer. Yes. And before his final test on the cross, he was prevailing and travailing you know, in prayer at Gethsemane. Johnny also notes that it's really important that we pray for those who are in, in leadership over us. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And prayer strategies must accompany, uh, be accompanied or soon followed by steps of action. Like James 2 tells us, faith without works is what? Dead. It's dead. Yep. So at some point, faith has to be demonstrated by action. For us, that means that we can't only have a prayer strategy for defeating Lucifer or like we talked about the mountain, you know, it's Gergeshites, right. it's the tribe, right? And his human pawns. But we also must work to raise up that which will keep the enemy displaced. So if Washington, in Washington, D.C. is the geographical top of the mountain of government, right. then at some point we must embark on a holy invasion of that stronghold. Oh, I could envision that. You know, so for example, Harvard University. It's a seedbed for the future leaders who will occupy the top of the mountain of politics, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then it needs to be a part of, that needs to be a part of like a multi-pronged strategy. Yes. You know, we need a host of Elijah revolutionaries to go and attend that school and bring the order of heaven to that place. Right. 
like an Elijah revolutionary lives out of kingdom identity. So he or she is first and foremost a citizen of heaven and only secondarily only secondarily, it's hard to say that word, Yes, that person is a citizen of his nation. Right. A revolutionary will carry the zeal of the Lord for his righteousness and justice, which are the foundations of his throne. That's good. That's really good, Laura. Yes. Yeah, you know, God is taking us to higher ground. He's preparing us to take the top of each of these mountains back from Satan. He has a plan, right? And with our help, we will have victory. Amen. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it's happening. So, you know, last week I talked about the ites, and they are in, they are our enemies all the way back to the time of Moses. And I'm going to go over the ites again. They are the Hittites. The Lord just mentioned the Girgashites. The, one, the Girgashites mm-hmm. is the one for this mountain. The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And each one of these ites, these seven ites, is assigned to one of the seven mountains of influence. They have a purpose, and the end result is destruction. Mm-hmm. And again, for the mountain of media, just to cover it, the ite is the Hittites. And for the mountain of government, it, the ite is the Girgashites. So according to Johnny Enlow, the word Girgashite means dwelling in clay soil. And it speaks of the enemy's strategy to invade the mountain of government with corruption. The Girgashites were one of the seven mountains the Israelites had to conquer in order to obey God and take their promised land. They represent demons of corruption that operate on the mountain of government as well as a strategy to cause people in government positions, or sorry, governmental positions of authority to become motivated by corrupting influences. So the mountain of government is perhaps the most important of all seven mountains because it can establish laws and decrees that affect and control every single other right. mountain. Right, it, it affects everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So therefore we find Lucifer himself entrenched on this mountain as a usurping prince over the nations. He is the illegal principality sitting on the on the top of the mountain of government, and his name means light-bearing one, and yet he operates through pride and manipulation. And this is seen in many of the secret societies that we know of, what we've heard of, like the Illuminati and Masonry, etc., mm-hmm. that attempt to control this mountain. And Lucifer was created to be a witness of all that God did and to testify of that to the subsequently created angels. He did that until he rebelled and sin was found in him. And he now functions as the Antichrist. And from this mountain seeks to hijack God's meta-narrative. Satan, which is formerly Lucifer, parades as light, but is just whitewashed darkness. He teaches those on this mountain who are susceptible to use bribes and corrupt ambition, ambition to advance his agenda of defaming the true nature of God. Behind the visible realm of things, a tremendous war is taking place over the governments of the world. Lucifer has understood the all-encompassing power that governments are capable of. So he has assigned himself to embark on the destruction of nations through their own government. I think we can all say that we Mm -hmm. see that it's all around Mm -hmm. the world. In every sphere, he has the same objectives. Use the structure itself to steal, kill, and destroy, which is marring the aspect of who God is in our eyes. Mm -hmm. Right? He's doing that from the top down. Right. Right. So God's government is established through service and humility. Satan's government is established through manipulation and pride. He will do anything he can to defeat the purposes of God on earth. And once he is firmly rooted in a nation, that nation will begin to manifest the following Antichrist distinctives. The first one is to work to destroy Israel. Right. And then we've got work to destroy the next generation through abortion, wars, and plagues. Right. Mm -hmm. And we work to destroy Christians 
right? He doesn't want any mm-hmm. Christians in any of these mountains. We work to suppress women or release Jezebels. Mm-hmm. We work to pervert sexual mores, which, you know, like homosexuality and adultery, etc. And mores is that which would be the accepted traditional customs and usage or usages of social groups. Right. Lucifer tries to weave these five things into all aspects of governmental influence. He works to try and change the laws and agreements that will advance this agenda. Right, but God's going to put a stop to all of that. Right. Yes, He is. So, in Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow's Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow's book, Rise: A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains, they talk about Lucifer's strategy for this mountain, and his strategy is to prevent the face of God as King from being restored to society, to prevent humanity from having access to the truth of how God loves us through the way He correctly models His power on the mountain of government. He works to prevent people from knowing that God cares about us through the way he governs and to prevent people from experiencing a healed perspective of the goodness of God through the mountain of government, which was ultimately meant to assure us that we are royalty like him. Mm -hmm. But again, God's going to put a stop to all that. Isaiah 14 uh, verses 12 through 17, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? who did not open the house of his prisoners. It's important to understand what God intended for the mountain of government. And I love what Johnny says about this. He says, once your spirit has been penetrated by the prideful, I will ascend motivation. You now carry the DNA of Satan, whether you're a Christian or not. Then the manipulation and pride work together. This mountain must therefore be taken by practicing Christians, not just confessing Christians. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. The antidote to Lucifer and his Gergeshites of corruption is to walk in Matthew twenty twenty eight, which says the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life like a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. You know, humility and spiritual authority are required to take this mountain. The archangel that fights on the mountain of government is Uriel. And his name means flame or fire of God. And it reveals his assignment, which is to assist in restoring the image of God as king on the earth. To find out what archangel is assigned to each mountain, I would like to refer you to Johnny and Elizabeth's book, Rise, a Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains, the one I just mentioned. And there are lots of details that we simply don't have time to go into on our podcast, but they explain it really well in their book. Mm-hmm. So Uriel and his host of angel armies serve the Lord of hosts by helping the sons and daughters of God who are called to impact the mountain of government. They are focused on the mission to fill government positions with humble, integrous, servant-hearted, visionary leaders. I like that. When we know God intimately as our king, we are then convinced of his absolute power and authority. We know he is the ruler of heaven and earth, and we know that he he has all authority. He's all powerful, right? Mm -hmm. So the color of the rainbow that's connected to the mountain of government is violet or purple. So purple is historically associated with royalty, nobility, luxury, and power. It is also the rarest naturally occurring color in the rainbow, which is instructive of itself. Too much government is against God's value for freedom. And I really like what John and Elizabeth say about chromotherapy. So in chromotherapy, the study and science of healing through colors, it has been identified that too much of the color, violet or purple, brings out qualities of irritability 
and arrogance, while too little stirs feelings of powerlessness, neglect, and apathy. Similarly, too much government engenders arrogance and entitlement, and not enough government can cause one to feel powerless and neglected. So only our king knows how to govern us in just a perfect measure of power. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, you know, God really knows what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. He, he created all these things. Yes, he, right. The colors, all of it, the whole the whole concept of it. And it's really cool how God, you know, this is a prophecy that God gave Johnny. Right. All of this. Right. And in this understanding. Right. And so that... There's so many things that are tied together. The colors of the rainbow. There's right. seven colors in right. the rainbow. Right. Seven mountains of government. Seven archangels. Right. right. There's seven five. seals in Revelation. Right. You know, we'll get to all that later. But yeah. it's just so cool how nothing God has said was, you know, just there. Yeah. It there's always a purpose in everything. There's that's always in a his meaning work. behind it. Right. He's right. Just, right. And just, how they're all tied together. Right. For God's kingdom and his ecclesia. And how, you know, bringing heaven to earth, it's all tied together. Right. This is really, really cool. And we get the opportunity to share that with everybody right. what we're learning. He just, right. He's just so detailed. Like mm-hmm. every detail has some type of meaning to it. And I just love that about our God. Right. All right, here we go. The big lie about God on the mountain of government is God doesn't care about us. Mm-hmm. Right? That's mm-hmm. simply not true. But Satan pushes this lie constantly. The way most governments are presently run leaves us often feeling simultaneously abandoned, exploited, and like we are just another number. Mm-hmm. I know I right. felt that way sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what the enemy is able to do is he, is he distorts the glory of godly government by bringing it in the wrong spirit and in the wrong measure. But God is a God of freedom. You know, he doesn't want us to live constrained or oppressed. He wants us to be free. And Proverbs 29.2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. I think Susan mentioned that verse earlier, right. but it's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, when a nation's government is riddled with scandals and thievery and obviously exists for the benefit of those in power rather than for the ones it serves, the effect on that nation is fear, apathy, and hopelessness because the people see no possibility for prosperity, growth, and change. Right. Right. So isn't Sad. that how many... Do what? Sad. It is, but it's what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And that how many people feel right now? All right, well, that's been piped out through the media for yeah. three right. years now. Fear. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. longer than that, right? Yeah. Well, it's just yes. a different agenda. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh. is because Satan is sitting at the top of this mountain. He's pulling all the strings, mm-hmm. right? He's the one mm-hmm. telling all these people what to do. So when corruption abounds in the government of a nation, the citizens end up being enslaved to poverty because the leaders don't allow the money and resources to go where they're most needed. The pride and corruption of those in authority serve their own agenda and do not have the good of the people as their motivation. The people grow tired, weary, and depressed because they feel they will never experience true freedom to live their lives. But our God is wonderful. He knows our hearts and he understands that when we thrive under healthy government, we are more likely to believe that he cares about us. Right. 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 So that leads us to the big truth about God on the mountain of government, and that is God does care about us. We need to understand that God does love each one of his children, and he has a solution for every single problem that we have. He has a correct solution for every single thing that we present to him. He has power for solving all government-related issues, and we must come out of agreement with the lie that God doesn't care about us, because it's simply not true. We must ask, and he will show us what needs to be done. And God says that we're royalty. He cares about each one of us deeply. And he desires an intimate relationship with every single one of us. He wants us to live in freedom. It's that simple. And in order to partner with God and take back this mountain, 
We must truly know God as king and learn to reflect who he is as king personally by the way we embrace our own royalty and then connect it to the way we serve and lead. We must become experts on this aspect of God's love and then give it away to all who are influenced by our role on this mountain. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you feel that you're called to this mountain, pray and ask God to guide you. He will give you revelation and instruction on what you need to do. Ask God to help you deal with any pride issues within you so you will not be tempted to abuse the authority that you've been trusted with. And this is going to be a tough mountain to take, right? But we will do it together with God's direction and his army of angels in heaven. We will know freedom again sooner than later. Praise God. Mm -hmm. And if any of this resonates with you, you know, we encourage you to get both of those books that we've mentioned a couple of times in this episode. But we also want to refer you to Elijah's Dreams. Johnny Inlow is usually on every Monday afternoon. And a couple of months ago, he talked a lot about the seven mountains of influence. Right. We encourage you to listen to it. It's so encouraging to hear what God is speaking to Johnny and other prophets about you know, what's taking place right now. Mm-hmm. Was it somewhere around episode 51? I mean, he's always on, but yeah, I think it started with 50. Around 50. 50 and yeah. It's just, he's still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You yeah. can catch him on rumble. Yes. Uh, I don't know if they're on YouTube anymore, but yeah, definitely uh, rumble, rumble and Elijah streams and Elijah sure. streams. Yeah. And you can see Elijah streams on Facebook, right? You can go to their Facebook page and, and, and yes. go all the, the, all the videos are on there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, the good news is God wins, which means we win. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, that's all the time we have today. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on government, which is one of the seven mountains of influence. And next week, we will talk about the mountain of education. It should be interesting. Mm -hmm. And we just want to close with this scripture from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. All right. And today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for all that you do for us. And we want to reference again, Johnny Inlow's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, and Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow's book, Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3 at gmail.com. All right. And please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next week. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. All right. Until next time. Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. 
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.